way, but I do think it's a model for us. I think Jesus helps outline the priorities and the goals of the heart of a Christian. And so um, he's going to lay this out for us. And I think one thing he's also after here is authenticity. Because if you notice, before this passage, he's going to talk about uh, some fake spirituality. He's going to talk about some people who get up and, and uh, he's, he pretend to be righteous and holy in front of other people. They pray loudly in front of other people pretending to be spiritual, but they're not. And then he gives us the Lord's Prayer and he bookends that with another group of people who are fasting and just letting everybody know that they're fasting, like they're messing up their hair and wearing dirty clothes because they want everybody to know that they're being real spiritual. And when you're trying to let everybody know that you're being real spiritual, you're probably not actually being real spiritual right and so he's gonna say I think part of this is this is what authenticity looks like this prayer shows us the heart of of authenticity so let me let me let me read it to you it's Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through I'm gonna read 9 through 13 here it says therefore you should pray like this our father in heaven your name be honored as holy Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, I think there is so much that we can learn from this prayer, but to me, what always sticks out to me the most about this prayer is you get into it. One of the things I love the most about this prayer is that Jesus starts it out and he simply says, our Father in heaven. And I know I talked about the idea of God being our Father a little bit last week, but I don't want us to overlook this again in this prayer because Jesus is showing us something very important about the way we approach our Father in heaven, our God, the creator, the sustainer. He's showing us something important about the way that we should approach him by just that word Father. He uses the word Abba for Father, which is a name that children would use for their dad. Just like my little boy Judah was running up and he's like, Daddy, right? That is, it's a word children use for their dads. It's an intimate, loving uh, word. It invokes security. It invokes care. It's similar, again, to the word Daddy, Right? The word daddy. Jesus uses this word for us to call dad because he wants to show us the relationship that God wants to have with his kids. You think about what what a, a father is, what a dad, what a daddy is, right? A dad is a place of security. A, a dad is a place of love, or should be. A dad should be a place uh, that is protected and safe. Someone who uh, who he guides his children through life as they raise them up, who teaches them how to walk through difficult circumstances in life. A father is someone who wants to be close to his children. He wants to be close to his children. A good dad is. And as, as we enter into prayer, we need to understand that God wants us to enter in like a child coming to his loving father like a child coming to his loving dad. And we, and we need to think about the relationship on those terms. That's how Jesus tells us to approach it. Our Father, first and foremost, that's how he begins the prayer. I want you to pray like this. Our Father, and he uses this word, that, this, this loving, wonderful word that's like daddy, right? 
And what's so cool about it is he doesn't just say my father, he says our. And this is incredible because at this point in history, Jesus is the only one that has claim to this, right? He hasn't died on the cross. He's the only one, yet he's inviting us into this relationship with God, saying that he is going to be our father, your father. Like, he's the only one that has sonship. And yet, in this moment, he's offering up his sonship to the disciples, to all our listeners, so we can be sons and daughters of the Most High. And then another added effect of that is now we are brothers and sisters in Christ to this father. And so Jesus teaches them this idea that we're a family. Like, it's not just some cheesy thing that we're like, hey, my brother in Christ. Hey, hey, my sister in Christ. No, this is something Jesus teaches that we are a family and we should behave as such, like, like a good family, not the family that you hate, right? Like the ones you love, that get along. And so he starts here with this idea that approach him like a child would approach a loving father. And then he's going he's gonna to give us these petitions about things we should ask for God. And it's, it's not that these are the only things we can ask of God, but he lays a foundation for us of some things God desires. He says, starts out, he says here, our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. We, the way I learned it was hallowed be your name. You, you ever learn it that way? Hallowed be your name. I like this translation a little bit better, just not the other one's wrong, but I just like this. Your name be honored as holy because when Jesus is speaking of honoring God's name he's not talking about like when you stub your toe and you accidentally I mean you shouldn't say that you shouldn't do bad words when you stub your toe but he that's not the whole idea he's giving us this picture that God himself his name who he is should be exalted revered glorified by his children that he should be lifted up and worshiped by his children. So we come to him as children and then we start off by, dad, you are amazing. Father, you are incredible. Like, fa Father God, you, you are holy and wonderful and good. It's, it's going straight into worship. We approach him as a son or daughter and then we lift him up. We lift up his name and worship him for who he is. And, and you'll notice the rest of these petitions actually come back to this idea that God's name, who he is, would be treasured and honored and worshipped by his children. He says there in verse 10, so our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. The next thing he says is, the second petition is, your kingdom come. It's a request for the God's kingdom to be here on earth. When we pray this prayer, your kingdom come, we're saying, God, we want your kingdom on earth right now because I'm looking around and it stinks. I want your kingdom here on earth. I want, God, you to, to be the king of my life today. I want you to be the Lord of my life today. I want you to take victory over the evils of this world today. I want you to destroy evil in this space today. I want you to end suffering in this. When you think about what does God's kingdom now mean, in suffering now, in pain now, in sickness now, in death now, these are these ideas of the coming of the kingdom of heaven on earth. It's a longing for a future promise, a future kingdom that we'll experience in heaven, but at the same time begging for it to be right here, right now, in this space among Christians. It's a prayer that submits to God's kingdom over my kingdom. And he follows that here with the next petition, your will be done, and this is beautiful, on earth as it is in heaven. In essence, we're saying we want this place to look just like that place. 
We want this place to look just like that place. It's a, it's a link to your kingdom come because whenever the kingdom of God is exalted, wherever the kingdom of God uh, is realized, wherever the kingdom of God is experienced, it comes to, that means God's will comes to fruition. What I mean by this on maybe a simpler way is he's saying, I want my will to be done in not just in your life. Yes, he wants, we want his will to be done in our lives but also through our lives. Does that make sense? That Christians, we are agents of God using us to bring his will to fruition in the world. That we would get to be active in seeing people get saved. That we would, God would use our, like think about what is God's will for earth? That we would as Christians be active in seeing people get saved. That we would be active in seeing people's lives be changed by Jesus. That we would play an active part in helping someone be able to overcome sin or depression or some entanglement that they're living in. Being a part of ending poverty and injustice and seeing the, the widows and orphans care for these ideas that Jesus says are his kingdom on heaven. That it's not just that we say, yeah, I want that to happen in my life, but through my life. And those are actually two really different pictures. Well, actually, they're not, if you think about it, because his will for your life is that his will would be done through your life. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So it says, I want you to honor my name. I want you to worship my name. I want to see my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus shifts the prayer from focusing kind of upward to focusing on, on us a little bit. The next part, he says, verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Now, this is a prayer that you may not have realized of it. You've probably prayed this prayer quite often in 2020, right? Except it sounded more like, Jesus, give me today my daily toilet paper. <laughs> Jesus, give me today my daily hand sanitizer. As you're going to your 30th store, like, God, I need to find some toilet paper. I need to find some hand sanitizer, right? This is the same idea. Give me my needs today, Jesus. I think if you're like me, maybe you grew up thinking that it was a little bit too selfish to ask for your own needs. Like when you're praying and talking to God that, that I'm not really supposed to ask for the things that I need. But Jesus shows us right here from the start that that's incorrect thinking. That we have a father, a caring, loving, generous father who delights in caring for the needs of his children, providing for the needs of his children. Think about in the Old Testament when the Israelites are wandering the desert for 40 years, right? They're wandering the desert because of their own mistakes, their own things that they're doing, their own, right? They messed this up. This is their fault. They're wandering the desert. And yet God provided food for them day after day after day. In fact, he told them, I don't want you to put it in a backpack. I don't want you to carry it with you. I just want you to eat what you need for today because I'm going to provide for you again tomorrow. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And one thing he's trying to teach them here in this experience while they're wandering the desert and he's just dropping food from heaven is he says, I want you to learn to trust me. I want you to learn to trust me. I think, again, that's a pretty good lesson that maybe God is trying to teach us in 2020 that we've been caught up in our way of life. We've been caught up in our way of doing things. We've gotten comfortable. And God's going, I'm going to teach you again how to, how to trust me for your needs. I'm going to teach you how to trust me for your needs. This is this petition for God to provide for our physical needs daily. I think not only 
it's so important that it shows us that we need him, but it doesn't just show us that we need him, but it, I think it reminds us to trust him daily, like, like, like I need air, trust you, Jesus, kind of deal. And I think it teaches us and shows us to be thankful for the way he provides. Because I know I was joking about toilet paper, but we've taken that for granted for a long time, right? People 2,000 years ago didn't have that. God's given us some really incredible things. God's provided for us in some really amazing ways. And I think this prayer, God, give me my daily needs, shows us how to trust him and be thankful for the ways he provides. COVID has been a great reminder of this because we've had to trust God for our jobs. We've had to trust God for our health. We've had to trust God to keep our relationships intact. I, as a pastor, as your pastor, I've had to trust God for, to sustain our church, right? Like we went from meeting in an elementary school to not knowing where we were going to meet, to looking for a building, to now we're purchasing a building. Praise God, right? And we've been, we've been trusting God to sustain our church. But as, as we've been walking through this, I've been like, God, I need you to, to sustain us financially. God, I need you to sustain us as we look for a location. Show us where to go. I need you to provide the way. God, I need you to help keep our church intact as we're spread out. Like, these are ways I, as, as the pastor of the river, have been trusting God daily, sometimes better than others, right? Sometimes it's not so much trust as, like, fetal position, Mike, right? But, like, God's good. God's faithful. God sustains. Amen? Thank you. We, we need to remember in our prayers when we approach our Father that we have a Father who, who delights in providing for the needs of his children. Then Jesus moves to this one, verse 12. We like the first half of this one, and forgive us our debts. Amen. We like that one. As we have forgiven our debtors, boo, we don't like that one, right? What's Jesus reminding us? Like, every time I sin, I got to repent. Like, if I stub my toe and cuss again, I gotta, I'm going to hell, so I got to repent. <laughs> That's not what he's saying here. This, again, is, is a reminder for daily repentance of sin. What am I talking about here? This desire to see sin and anything that's not like Jesus destroyed in my life, that he would come and take those things out of me. And it's a reminder, again, to be thankful for what Christ has done for us on the cross. It's a prayer that reminds us every day of the wonderful love and forgiveness of Christ and a desire to continually see sin destroyed in us, to continually see ourselves be set free. And then secondly, that call there that is the tough one that we talked about last week and a couple weeks before, the call to forgive just as we've been forgiven. That is hard. And that, that's why we're praying and asking God to help us do it. Because Christ wants to teach his people not just to be people who've been forgiven, but people who forgive powerfully, just as we've been forgiven. And then the last thing he says here, verse 13, and bring us, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I, that's something, if I'm honest with you, I don't think about praying, I don't think to pray that one a lot. But if I am even more honest, that's one I probably should pray a lot more, amen? This, this final petition is asking that God would lead us away from temptation, that he would leave us away, lead us away from evil, deliver us 
from evil, right? When we're facing it, experiencing it, that he would save us from it. And, and this isn't saying that, so what are you saying, that God leads us into temptation? It's not saying that God leads us into temptation, but that God would direct our lives and guide our lives in a way that we would not enter into situations where the devil might use the situation as an opportunity to tempt us. You see the difference there? That God would guide our lives in a direction that maybe we're walking into that might be dangerous spiritually and we don't see we're walking into it, that he would lead us away from it because we don't sometimes don't know the direction we're going. That God would guide us so that we could avoid sin, that he would set us free, that he would defeat, defeat evil in our lives. This is a pretty wonderful prayer if you think about it. You go, okay, well, so... So how do I take this prayer, this, this outline that Jesus has given us, how do I, do I just need to pray it just like that in my life every day? Maybe you could, that'd be a good idea, but I would encourage you to make it personal, right? I would, I would encourage you to take these ideas and incorporate them in the way that you pray every day. Look at it again. I'm just going to run through this really fast here. Therefore, he says you should pray like this, our Father in heaven. So as you go to pray tomorrow or tonight before you go to bed or as you're on the way home, remember that you have a Father in heaven who wants to connect to you relationally. It's not, it's not, a, like, it's not a transaction. You're, it's, you're not using big fancy words. You're not talking to Congress. You're talking to death. You're talking to a father who wants to connect to you relationally, who loves you. So when you come to him tonight or tomorrow in prayer, come to him like he's a father who loves you and cares for you. He says, your name be honored as holy. Secondly, when you pray, worship him. Worship him. Honor him. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray his agenda first. So when you're praying, come to him and say, God, I want your will in my life, not my will. I want you to show me what your kingdom on earth looks like for me. Pray his agenda first. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Tell him what you need. God, I'm struggling here. I'm frustrated here. I'm lost here. I'm, I need help here. I need provision here. Tell him, what, tell him what you need, man. Tell him. He's a loving father who cares for you. Tell him what you need. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, ask him in your prayer, God, if there's anywhere in my heart, if there's anywhere in me that is not like you, that you want to be different, if there's any sin that I'm walking in that I'm not aware about, bring somebody to show it to me or put a pin on it and reveal it to me and help me to find healing and forgiveness from that sin. And then Jesus, if there's anybody that I haven't forgiven, if there's anybody I hold a grudge against, if there's anybody, and maybe he'll put that pin right on your heart, right, about this person. If there's anybody there that I'm not forgiven, help me to do it. Show me how to do it. I'm struggling with it. Show me how to do it. Show me how to let it go. Show me, Jesus. Show me. And then do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, guide my life. Take me away from places I may be tempted. Help me to be wise enough not to walk in spaces where, the, where Satan may use as an opportunity to take advantage of me. And God, when I do make mistakes, deliver me from the evil one. Defeat him in my life. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, crush any stronghold that he may have on me. I'm not a professional, but that's a pretty cool prayer. Amen? It's a pretty powerful prayer. I, I, I want to encourage you to talk to God like that. I, I would encourage you to approach him in that way, to use this as an outline for your life. I think, I think if you do authentically, you'll experience the presence of God in your life. You'll experience the presence of God 
in your, in your prayers. And so what I'm going to do for us, I'm going to pray right now. The band's going to come up, and we're going to sing one more song. And I just want you to, to do that thing that he talks about there. Let's worship his name. Let's exalt his name. Let's glorify his name. And if you want to, you can just take some time and pray right where you are and pray these prayers. Talk to him. I want you to experience. All this is ultimately about experiencing the King of Kings and having his kingdom come to fruition in your life and through your life. So I'm going to pray, and we'll do that. God, I love you. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you for the beauty of this prayer, God. Thank you for the simplicity of it and yet the incredible depth of it, Jesus. Thank you that you are a God who asks us to approach to approach you like a child would a loving and caring father, God. Lord, I pray that in these times as we as we're walking through tough times, Lord, I know there's people who, because of loneliness or isolation or uncertainty, are, are walking through fear or anxiety or depression or whatever, whatever that might be, God. And, and they need, I mean, goodness, it could be, it could be anything. It didn't have to be this. It could be anything, God. But there's people in this place who, who, need, who need you, God. And they don't need something that's fake, like to stand up and just talk real loud and pretend like they're doing something spiritual when they're not. They don't need to, to they don't need the motions. They need, they need you. We, we need you, Jesus. And so I pray that, that you would help us to see this prayer and see what it is and see what it means and see the foundation it lays and that we would grasp onto it and hold it and pray it. And that as we do that, as we pray in this way, that you would authentically and genuinely speak to us, God, that your Holy Spirit would touch our lives and impact our lives and change our lives, God, that we would um, just experience your will on earth, that we'd experience your kingdom in our lives, that we'd experience it in our lives and through our lives, Jesus, that you would give us life. So, Father, I ask these things, and I, I ask that your spirit would even be in this place as we sing to you now, that you would be honored and glorified in this space right now. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.